Entrepreneur Circle is an on-air brands production and a proud member of the On-Air Brands Network. Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Entrepreneur Circle with Eric Cabral. On this episode... You can't talk about growth without discussing personal growth. And if it's, you know, your business is just your business, but outside of your business, you have a life. And, you know, especially once you start to have a family, you can't spend all of your time on business because at the end of the day, you'll ruin the relationships in your family. Hey there, folks. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Entrepreneur Circle podcast, where we inspire you by talking to entrepreneurs and business owners about mindset, goals, vision, tips and strategies on how to crush life and business. I am your host, Eric Cabral, real estate investor and a creative. I've been in the creative industry for over 20 years, got my start in New York City as a junior art director and made my way up the corporate ladder to become the creative director at the number one pharma company in the world. That was until I decided to hang up my corporate hat and start my own creative agency called On Air Brands, where we broadcast your brand and your message using social media and live stream events. Hit us up at info at onairbrands.com to learn more. Also, like subscribe and share this podcast on social. We greatly appreciate you for it. And also don't hesitate to send us any feedback that you may have because we always love, love, love hearing from you. Before we jump into the show, I'd like to share what some of our sponsors, partners, and friends of the show have to offer you. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. Hey there, folks, and welcome back to the Entrepreneur's Circle. I am your most humbled host, Eric Cabral. And today, I got a really good friend who I met a little while ago uh, through podcasting, through real estate, through a lot of cool stuff. Welcome to the show, Andrew Shenna. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. I am humbled and honored <laughs> to be here on the Entrepreneur Circle. It is a uh, it is a pleasure. It's so good, man. It's so good. You've been on our other show, Capital Hacking. I think it was episode seventy six, maybe or seventy two, somewhere out there. Quite possibly. But yeah. yeah, yeah, that was a good show. You were um, in our under our you know roof at uh, uh, Pod Max, and we were able to That's record right. you on several shows and uh, hell of an and event. Josh McCallan, our good friend and mutual friend. Yeah. And that's actually how yep. you and I met. Um, no, 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 you and I met Renault. 
Renault. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At Renault. And, and I right. remember chatting with you at uh, the bar. And uh, yep. man, we hit it off. I was like, immediate. Yeah, I was like, man, I gotta, I gotta <laughs> talk to you more, man. And uh, yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was history in the making because um, it's funny we have all these connections and people in common with, you know, shout out to Catan and Matt, and I know, oh, yeah. you know, we're all sort of in this. It's a big world. It's a small world that, but at the same time, it's a big world. Our investment network, yeah. It is. And everybody within that circle is so very like-minded, which is, yeah. you know, why I think conversations just come very easy and, and topics of, it may, may be a topic that one of us may not even understand a lot, but someone can bring just so much value to each other. Yeah. And, and that's why I cherish that circle and being able to expand that. It's, it's just fantastic. So anytime I get to talk to you, it's <laughs> awesome. So much fun. Yeah. Feelings mutual, brother. So I just want to give people a primer on who Andrew is. So Andrew is the owner of Capital Equity Partners, and he's also launched a recent podcast. And I'm super, super excited and proud of you for, for doing that, brother, because um, it's you know now how powerful it is, but Cashflow Giants podcast. So yeah. jump out there. Now that I know it's there, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recommend it as I am now. And then also let's just cross pollinate and share some ideas and audience and, yeah. uh, you know, do some cool stuff together. Cause podcasting, as we were talking before the mics uh, started uh, recording that uh, it's super, just unlike any other platform that I can think of in the past that allows for this is engagement and interaction and, and relationships. You want to talk a little a bit? About, yeah. That's, uh, tell me about yeah, your experience uh, with podcasting. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, uh, before we had started our own show, I, I had obviously, I had come to PodMax. I had been on a couple of other shows and, you know, it was to me, especially coming to PodMax, it was, it was, it was so powerful to me, the networking and the, the relationship building and the growth just by, you know, hopping onto uh, well, what would be deemed as a new medium, if you will. Um, it's a, almost like individual radio programming and, and being able to just really expound on different topics and different people and different strategies, ideas, and to be able to, at your leisure, now you know, download and listen to different episodes and different people and different points of view. It's so engaging, incredibly enlightening, and and. and informative and educational that to to myself and my my podcast uh, partners Willie Mandrell and Leo Rosansky at the Cashflow Giants it it just gives us the opportunity to give back uh, as far as you know the knowledge that that we have in our heads uh, in the in the real estate space but to also be able to go out and discuss with other people and share um, the topics and ideas that we're passionate about. Uh, and you know to be able to have a conversation with someone like yourself and to understand and see the you know you really see the network that that you've built around yourself and, and you know and I've got my own network and everyone's got their own network and and again they say you know your network is your net worth so you know the the ability of this medium to be able to connect and to create and to grow that um, just expounds opportunity in front of everybody so you know, our primary focus is to really be able to give back, but be by being able to give back, that's how you'll eventually kind of grow your own business. So it's interesting you guys have three hosts. Are you often recording on a show together and then you throw a fourth in there as a an interview? So we rotate. Um, okay. So 
is we're, we're a total of two shows deep recorded so far. Uh, I'm in process of editing shows three, four, and five right now, but three, four, and five. So we've done it um, two different ways. So we have the, the primary podcast, uh, which is non-video based, but we also are kind of doing it on a YouTube channel as well. So we're just kind of, we'll record it similar like this and we'll put it kind of put it out into both mediums. So Willie and Lior have done a couple of different topics and discussions that now I'm going to cut up that they did on YouTube that now I'm going to cut up into the podcast format. So really the, 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 the primary amongst all of it is probably Willie. And then, you know, until I, you know, he and I have cut up some things on, onto YouTube as well. So it's, it's difficult for the three of us, I, I guess, not difficult for the three of us to do it at once, but it's just, it's in such early stages and we've just said, Hey, you know, I'll kind of focus on doing all the podcast stuff. If you guys have other content that you've created, just let me bring it in. I'll cut it up and we'll just go from ah. there. And as long as the three of us are, are branded ourselves as the cash flow giants, it's, it's a team approach yeah. and that's kind of how we've done it. What, for better or for worse, we'll see how it goes and, uh, and, and go from What there. I like about that is you guys knew and know how critical it is to assemble a team, you know, like Avengers assemble, yeah. you know, we're going to try to do something <laughs> big and you can't, and it's really difficult. You can, I don't want to say you yeah. can't, but it's difficult to do things alone. You know, maybe like yes. you said earlier, uh, you know, let me try it out. Let me do the editing. Let me let me let me figure this out first, and then pass it along so I know what I'm talking about. But ultimately, you right. guys stepped into it knowing, okay, you're going to handle this. You're going to handle this, and we'll do this together, right? Which is really right. really important when it comes to doing anything in life, uh, especially if it's something big and you plan up. Right. Plan it. So, what's your what is your ultimate goal? Your collective goal in terms of the podcast? Do you, do you have a goal of like, we're going to do at least a hundred episodes or one year or two years? No, I think, um, I think we've said like, Hey, let's, let's do this for a year. Let's put out as, you know, as many programs as we can. Our goal is a program a week and, and let's see how that goes and, and let's see how that grows. And I mean, it's very easy to get it started now as, as business has kind of been relatively slower, yeah. where it's like, Hey, we've got a little bit more time in our hands. Let's be more creative and let's try different things. And we've always said to each other, like, what the challenge is going to be once business starts rolling again, uh, really kind of full throttle, like we need to be able to make the time and you need to be able to make the commitment. So we made the commitment to each other to do that. Um, and, and to, you know, I think our ultimate goal is, you know, we want to put out as much information as possible. And if people are looking for more information, um, you know, we may just do just real uh, some some more advanced type of discussions and coursework that we may put up for sale um, for that's downloadable. Yeah. Um, and that I mean that's so loosely organized right now. It's just like, hey, let's put our message out there. Let's let's put our message in of of cash flow and and building our financial freedom. Really is really what it comes down to uh, is building financial freedom through cash flow real estate and and that's where we've thrived and that's where we've, that's the space we've been in for the you know, past 10 and 20 years collectively. Yeah. Um, so being able to give back and I know that the space is changing realistically. I mean, you know, the, especially as, as the, the new generation is starting to, you know, either come through college or kind of come through high school, that Gen Z, um, you know, 
education is is changing mm-hmm. and, and the way things are operating are changing. I mean, and I think we're seeing that clearly out in society today yeah. from, on a number of different fronts. So I think being able to get information and and um, and education isn't doesn't necessarily have to be done through your traditional mediums. I mean, yeah. how I generally learned real estate and development and cash flow was by buying courses and investing in courses. Um, you know, and so we've looked at that and said, "Hey, I mean, that's a it's a viable business model." Do I think we're going to charge as much as I paid? No, no, God, no! I would never do that to people. Um, but at the same time, it's you know, it's valuable, and we're we're putting out a ton of free content, um, you know, just about the you know real estate basics, and and honestly, it's it's really about um, our. Uh, our trials and tribulations, yeah. you know, by being able to compress those times, fr- those time frames, um, you know, the slogan we use for cash flow giants is from uh, Isaac Newton. It's just, uh, I believe it's uh, I've seen further by standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm. So you know, by being able to, you know, use others' experiences and and successes and failures, like we're we're an open book. We're not trying to hide anything. I'm always happy to talk about my failures because my failures, my failures have led to my successes. So being able to share all of that, where I, as I think in the past, a lot of people have kind of hidden their failures and said, no, 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 I'm just always successful. It's like, well, okay, no, you haven't been. So, and I think the, you know, the, the, your 20 to 40 something year olds right now that are kind of coming into you know, either into the workforce or have been established and, and, you know, have had careers now see that and say, Hey, like, what's the real truth? And, you know, that's what we want to speak. We want to speak the truth about our experiences and about real estate and, and the way we've been able to, to kind of grow our successes. And no, by no means are any of us financially free yet. Um, but we're all on that path at, 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 it's just like, everybody's on a different path. No matter, everybody starts at a different position uh, and everybody's going to be at a different point along that path. So anywhere that we can help along that path, then you know, that's our goal. Yeah. That's what we want. I love to do. it. I love it. There's so many different Thanks, ways man. and benefits from, uh, you know, I like to call it edu- edutainment, where you're putting content out there, you're, you're doing it in an engaging and entertaining way. And for me, it's always about not necessarily being the next Gary Vee or Tony Robbins. It's all about who can I reach within first my inner circle of friends and family? Mm-hmm. Who can I inspire in terms of, you know, my cousin's son or my nephew or niece that's coming up, like you said, from college? Well, I'm priming and, uh, you know, sowing the seeds for potential people that were going to come help in the company or the projects or whatever it is we're doing, or they're going to tell their friends, Hey, listen to Andrew. I know this guy, he's a good friend or he's an uncle or whatever he is. Um, of course they're going to listen to you and want to learn from you because first off you're right there, you're available to them potentially. And then they could join you and shadow and learn from you directly. There's so many benefits to putting out your own content with, uh, you know, within arm's length. And then obviously as you grow and expand and have a larger reach, you know, find more people, start tapping yeah. into other people's networks and, and, and grow from there. So I wanted to sort of jump back and then we're going to get into the details of, uh, sure. of um, you know, capital equity partners and, and, and all the wonderful services and things that you provide to investors. Uh, but I want, I want the audience to go into Andrew. And also, I haven't learned some of this myself, even though we, we, we have spoken for, for a while and, and, and gotten to know each other. Um, but what 
do you remember was the first thing that you sold as there as a kid teenager what's the first memory first things that i sold it wouldn't be my first job uh the first thing that actually for the most part the first thing that i really ever sold was uh was radio really um it like was actual uh, radios or like, radio? like terrestrial no 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 like terrestrial radio signal oh, you know whoa. so i came out of um i came out of espn uh back in um 19 excuse me 2001 uh i came out of espn and uh, i was going to school for broadcast journalism and i always remember uh, i had a professor who who's always like you know if you don't make it in tv or anything like that you've got such a personality you'd be great at like you know tv and radio sales so i was like eh, okay i just took it as a grain of salt so yeah i was leaving espn because i didn't you know, it just wasn't a fit for what my lifestyle or what kind of what I generally wanted in the long run. Uh, and there's a there's a you know a bigger story behind that, which has set me on my financial freedom course. But um, I bounced around to a couple of different things, and one of the first things I bounced into was radio sales. So I was actually selling for uh, 104.1 WBCN up here in Boston. Wow. It was a really short stint. It was probably three or four months, 2001, and um, it was hard. It was very hard. And funny enough. Um, yeah, trying to sell radio, uh, you know, Howard Stern when he was on the, on the, the airwaves back then, you know, asking companies to spend $40,000 a month with no you know, small businesses with no tangible real benefits except branding. Yeah. Um, it was, it was hard. Um, so needless to say it didn't go super well, but, um, I, so I, I think I sold maybe one or two spots in like four or five months. I left that and then I got into the mortgage business, which kind of mm. started my my, that's how I get into real estate and everything like that. So that's where I found my success. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the first couple of sales jobs are always difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when you're selling something that isn't tangible. You know, now right. it's more common, you know, digital goods and all the stuff that we, yep. you know, where everyone's more absolutely. accustomed to the idea. But back then, yeah, absolutely. especially terrestrial radio. And uh, it's funny because, um, you know, I was on your LinkedIn earlier and you don't list ESPN. I'm like, do it, man. You should throw that on there because that look at you now. You're in front of <laughs> a radio, your microphone, know, you know, you're doing it. You're like you're back, except you're not in sales. You're the you're the personality. Right. But uh, that's great, man. That's awesome. I'm glad I asked that question. I would have never have known. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I just that's just something I don't put. A, you know, it's funny because, you know, from it's like you bounce around, you're 22 years yeah. old and, you know, you're trying to figure figure it out. Where do you want to be? What do you want to do? And it was funny. I remember my friends would bust my chops and be like, oh, where are you employed this week? You know, it's like <laughs> enough, enough, right? I'm just trying to figure out where I want to be. Like, you know, the whole television thing, I just, it wasn't going to work for me, but yeah, uh, I, I, you know, found my niche and, and I think that's important for everybody. To do. Yeah. Yeah. Especially, uh, you know, in, in, in something that, even though, I mean, it's it's been around for ages, right? Radio, you know, before television yeah. and, um, you know, to jump into sort of a legacy type of medium, um, it's interesting. Right. That's a whole different conversation that we could have another time yeah, yeah. where, you know, now it's where we are radio, like we were saying earlier. Exactly. We become radio and eventually, who knows, there's going to be some kid coming up that's got to sell ad space on uh, Cashflow Giants. <laughs> yeah, you but you never know. You never, never know. Who knows? That'd be great. That would be great. It's funny though. I'm like, let me tell you something. Yeah, I won't be able to tell him anything. Um, <laughs> one thing I wanted to to chat with you about because I know we we sort of scratched the surface on your relationship with the Tony Robbins organization. Um, I know you're passionate. You and Aaron are passionate about uh, you know all that 
provides for you. So can you can you talk a little bit about how that started? Like, you know, how did you stumble into it or did you seek it out or did it find you? No. So we actually, uh, I had a friend of mine who uh, I, I became, actually a very good friend of mine now. Uh, he was actually friends with uh, my wife, Erin, when she worked at CVS Corporate was a, as a former pharmacist. And he, he and she worked next to each other. And he saw me posting about some of the properties, um, you know, some of the cash flow properties that we had just closed on, some of the development projects that we were working on. And he reached out, me, out to me because he wasn't super happy at CVS any longer. So uh, he and I started meeting on a weekly basis. Um, and he, he was the one, and I had read, um, and let, me, let me take a step back. I had read um, uh, The Miracle Morning. Uh, by Hal Elrod. Yeah. And so I was trying, I, at that point, I had been implementing some of that in my daily practices. And one of those was meditation. And um, my friend has is, he's practically a yogi for the love of God. Um, but he actually uh, introduced me to Tony Robbins and some of his teachings and his priming exercise. And so I started kind of listening a little bit more and more and trying different things and, and kind of expanding the meditation part of my Miracle Morning. And Tony Robbins just kind of resonated with me. And he sent me a couple more videos of Tony Robbins. So during my runs, I would listen to him and listen to his different messages. And there's a ton of different ones. And everything just always was clicking with mm -hmm. me, with everything he says. And uh, especially, you know, your mindset and, and how, you know, you don't have to live mi a miserable life that, you know, life is, is decided on your terms. You know, life is always happening for you, not to you. And so like little messages like that, and after just repeating and listening uh, to uh, everything that he talks about, it just, it, you know, it, it all clicked to me. And then finally we, uh, my friend Bauman, who I'm speaking about, uh, Bauman actually got us to go to UPW and we just, you know, UPW just blew us away down in Miami. That was probably the last one he was able to have prior to um, the COVID. Yeah. And so it was that, but, but having that whole mindset, um, just in understanding what he talks about, there were elements of, you know, what, how we lived our personal lives and professional lives anyways. But it, it's almost like the message from the organization just it resonated and it was like the glue that kind of put everything together and it just clicked and started to make sense You're yeah like, yeah this is this totally makes sense this is what we believe regardless yeah. it, it, you know and so and of course his influences and things like that and, and the more i've read um you know and and studied about financial freedom and, and looked at how it applied to my life and how it's you know how my life has um you know, matured from when I was, you know, a, a kid till now and the different ups and downs and, and how I dealt with and, and what my path has been. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, I mean, and you know, we're still super fans yeah. uh, of his and, and, you know, I'm looking forward to trying to go to his next yeah, event. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I haven't been to an event yet, but absolutely in the cards have to go soon. Hopefully we'll go to the same one. Uh, you know, cause I'm For always sure. consuming his stuff. It's funny because, you know, he's been putting stuff out on cassette and then CDs yeah. in cars. And then yeah. eventually someone took it, maybe his team, I'm not sure, but they digitized it and now it's on YouTube and wherever. And, uh, yeah. you know, so it's out there and it's funny because what's the difference would you say of, you know, just consuming all the stuff that's out there and available for free versus taking it to a next 
step in going to a live event? Um, I personally believe that the the live event, or especially UPW, is the only one I've been to. So it's yeah. the only one I can unleash speak the about. power within. Yeah, uh, that's correct. Um, it, you know, being able to, it, it's the UPW is a full experience. It, it's not a um, you know, I can listen on a run or listen in the shower, just like a quick 15 minute, like talk that that's taken out of something from one of his live events. Uh, his live events are extraordinary. They're, they're powerful. They're moving. Um, I mean, I'm not embarrassed to say like, you know, he, at times brings you to tears. Yeah. It, it, his events literally make you focus and, and, and on yourself and, and how you act and how you behave and what are the drivers in your life and to understand that you have control over those things. And so if, if anything, the, his events make you so much more uh, or, or give you such a greater self-awareness mm-hmm. of, of yourself, your life, and what you create around you. Um, and to be mindful and to be able to – you can do anything you want and, and you can make changes and you can – um, live the life that you know that, that that makes you happy. What makes you happy, and it's part of figuring it out. And I think um, being involved in that experience and immersing yourself and letting go, put like taking down your walls and letting go, and actually becoming a part of the experience was just. I mean, it it, it literally it makes me smile thinking yeah. about. It. I mean, we we actually walked on fire. Mm. We did all that, oh, which yeah. you know I would never do, <laughs> but it was you know, but. You know, it, it shows you the ability and uh, of how to, you know, it's like biohacking your own mind yeah. into uh, like your belief systems and, and how to do different things. And he just shows you a different, he shows you a different level, but he, he doesn't just tell you it. He, you know, it's, it's all in actions. It's not just words, it's actions. Yeah. And that's what's so powerful about it. Hello, this is Josh McCowan, CEO of Viva May Hospitality and the beautiful Renault Resort Winery. I have to tell you, the secret's out. And the secret is On Air Brands. On Air Brands Creative Agency, which specializes in launching podcasts, transforming live events into live streaming events, and social media marketing soup to nuts. On Air Brands has changed the game. There'll never be a day from here forward when you and I and our companies don't need to be on the air. Every brand needs to be on the air, but so few know that. So it's great to work with a group that are ahead of the curve and to find a company that has been built on the core foundation of the future of marketing. If you're ready to broadcast your brand like they've done for my brands, take the next step and make a change that can transform your business, reach out to On Air Brands today. That's onairbrands.com. Yes, onairbrands.com. Let's let, let's talk about this because it's interesting. This is critical to a foundation when you build anything, right? You you first have to have your mind right. You have to have your spirit and all of that stuff that's not really tangible before building a company or a business or in a network. So now I know it's still early in st- the stages of podcasting for you guys, but how much of this do you think you'll impart to your audience or how much do you want to sort of share in terms of it's pretty basic, but it's necessary, right? It Do you is. think you're going to plug, it, you know, like an 80-20, you know, content uh, and education in real estate, but then also, hey, you got to remember, stay healthy, you know, meditate, yeah, you know, affirmation. Yeah. yeah, mindset. Absolutely. It's, it's um, I don't think there's a conscious uh, plan at this point, but you can't, in my opinion, you can't talk about 
building businesses um, and, you know, even just financial freedom, uh, growth, financial growth, personal growth. I mean, there it is right there. You can't talk about growth without discussing personal growth. Um, And if it's, you know, your business is just your business, but outside of your business, you have a life. And, you know, especially once you start to have a family, you can't, you can't spend it all of your time on business because at the end of the day, you'll ruin the relationships in your family. Um, so, I mean, and it's, it's, it's a very difficult balance at times for, you know, for those of us who are achievers and strivers and, and want to grow things and build things to create, not only to give back, but to create those types of freedoms to be able to, at the, at the ultimate goal is to do it all for, for me is for my family. Um, so, you have to, you know, business growth is one thing, but personal growth, uh, in my opinion, I don't think you get a lot. I mean, you can have a ton of business growth and be successful, but there are plenty of people who are incredibly successful that are completely miserable individuals. I choose, you know, and, and that's where the personal growth comes in. And I choose personal growth, uh, over, you know, over, you know, being, uber uber successful i mean i'd love to get to uber success regardless i think we've been successful in our own right but to get to that huge that upper level to do it consciously with with uh principles and to do it with uh, a structure of uh happiness and health and vibrancy i think is is incredibly important yeah and uh i just think that yeah you can't my opinion it's it's you know, life isn't worth living if you're miserable all the time. I mean, money's money. You, you're not gonna, you're not gonna take it with you. Yeah. But it's you know the legacy and your children and and what they remember growing up. They remember, you know, dad growing up just working all the time. Well, what's the point of that? Yeah. So, you know, being able to find that balance and understand personal growth because personal growth not only resonates into your family life, but it also resonates into your business life and. Um, and understanding that you, you know, you're never going to know everything, and and to but to be able to surround yourself with the right mentors uh, and the right and the people that um, you know uphold and and embody what you believe to be uh, the the right way and and to to embody the right things, then then that's the way I would advise anybody to go. So yeah, I, I think it'll eventually will trickle into kind of our message and and talking about personal growth because it's, you know, again, I think, especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you have to have personal growth. You have to know how you operate, uh, in order to really achieve success. And because it's, it's no more to me, I mean, especially nowadays and you know, you tell me what you think. I mean, it's very tough. You can't really run a dictatorship in a company anymore. That's, that's not what people want. You know, that was what companies used to be, but now it's about embracing other people's growth, not just professionally, but personally. Yeah. And I think, you know, his message and, and that personal growth message, it just resonates across to, to everybody Yeah, as human beings. Yeah. Well, it attracts like-minded individuals, right? I mean, yeah. corporations that just push their policies and whatever core values that have been around for 50, 60, 80 years, um, you know, sort of get stale. 
Um, you know, that's the environment I came through. And, you know, mm -hmm. you have, it's funny because as we build our own companies and culture, um, you sort of see the ingredients and the pieces starting to come together. You're like, oh man, we're putting our core values on the wall for all to see, for us mainly. But I remember walking through, you know, Fortune 100 companies and that was just wallpaper. It was noise in the background. Whatever yeah. their core values were, um, it's funny. Yeah, it, it, we all sort of follow the same blueprint, um, you know, regardless if it's, you know, five people or 500,000 people. Um, but like you said, it's really critical for companies now to be very aware of, of helping their employees grow personally rather than just telling them what to do and say, okay, be quiet. And, and, and whenever we have a one-on-one, -on -one, that's when we'll talk. Um, you know, it's like constantly checking in just is critical um, for, 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 I think, longevity in the company. Then also keeping your, you know, keeping a healthy environment and culture. But yeah, so let's, let's get into um, your company, what you guys are doing, what you're building. But sure. I am curious, though. So I know a few things about you. Um, you know, you have the e e electrician background, then also you're, you're a runner, um, and mm -hmm. you know, what are some of these pieces that maybe you could, you pulled from those experiences to start building and growing, um, you know, capital equity partners? For sure. Um, so I grew up as, uh, as the son of an electrician and on my summers, I, you know, help him run wire on job sites, things like that. So being exposed to construction was just, it's in my blood and always enjoyed it, loved the relationships you develop on a job site, um, you know, with the, with the other guys that are working was just, uh, I mean, it's just common how my family was, um, super blue collar family in a, in a blue collar town growing up. Um, that town has certainly changed, uh, <laughs> since say over the last 25 years, but, um, that gen you know, that experience, once I, uh, kind of came through, uh, the mortgage business for for about ten years. I, I kind of got that itch and got that bug uh, right around two thousand and seven, and um, that right, right when the markets were kind of crashing. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't really expound into. I should have, uh, but I wasn't prepared yet. I wasn't ready to to make that leap yet and take that action. So I kind of went and I, I worked for another friend of mine for a couple of years um, until about two thousand eleven, until we started up our development company and. Um, you know, a lot of uh, what we started at Capital Equity Partners, um, we started syndicating in 2011 before we even knew what syndication was. Uh, I was very confident in the fact that we could handle the, so as far as what we did, you know, we started out flipping, uh, flipping properties at Capital Equity Partners. And we'd buy a, a three family, we'd gut it to the studs and we'd turn them into condos. So we operate out of South Boston, Massachusetts, and South Boston, I mean, primarily the housing stock is two, three, and four unit buildings. So that's, and, and that's kind of what was, was going on. And we had early, you know, we had plenty of failures, but the market was rising. So it was kind of saving our bacon a little bit. So we're okay with that. Um, and we started raising capital before we really even knew what raising capital like legally was about, you know, it was more just friends and family mm -hmm. kind of, and we give up equity percentages for returns. And, and that's kind of, that's how we formed capital equity partners um, because it, we were using other people's money to help us source and, and build out our deals. So we ended up um, uh, as we grew, 
you know, we finally learned that the real way to raise capital and, and the legal way to raise capital. So it was like, okay, this is, we should probably start doing this before some black vans pull up and, <laughs> uh, and take all of our stuff and we live in a hell. So we, we began, um, you know, educating ourselves on the proper way to do it. And so we, we went from, you know, flipping uh, and doing like partial renovations on uh, some single families. And we did, three, you know, actually our first project ever was a three family full gut. And actually we did that with Willie. And um, that was back in 2011. Myself, John Collins, who's my, and my partner, who's still my partner. He and, he and I started the companies together. And now we've got uh, Darren Swain. At Capital Equity Partners, we started a general contracting firm. Uh, we had we started the real estate brokerage. So I mean, we started a lot of different things that are all pretty vertical in that one silo to help kind of facilitate that business. So we, as we matured, as far as a, an operation is concerned, uh, we got more into development and you know repurposing assets and increasing density on parcels within the city, and being able to. Um, you know, go ground up with construction, which is kind of where we spend a lot more of our time now um, on the on the development side. Now we also have the cash flow side, uh, which we've um, been able to you know acquire some assets out in um, the southern Indiana, the Louisville, Kentucky MSA. We're in southern Indiana, um, and we have some smaller properties, multifamily properties, uh, residential kind of two to four unit stuff uh, in and around Boston. So. So now we kind of we're, we're straddling that line. We've got a cash flow side and we've got a, a development side. And, you know, as we've been moving forward through our business, you know, especially through what we've all been going through here with COVID, you know, we're analyzing and looking at really where we want to go with it and, and what do we think we want to do. Um, so, and it's funny, like, you know, it's just timing always has a, um, Timing is always interesting, right? And and uh, it. I was just reading a book. I was reading Tony Robbins's book, Master the uh, Master, uh, Master the Game, Money Master the Game. Um, and in it, he interviews uh, a gentleman by the name of Kyle Bass. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyle Bass is one of the world's uh, best hedge fund managers, and uh, he made his name back in well, probably about two thousand five ish. You know, he sat back and intellectually started thinking like, hey, you know, real estate prices can't continue to go up, 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 up. So he started, you know, hedging bets against the housing market. And obviously it crashed and he made like a billion dollars in 2006. Took him 18 months after placing those bets. He made a a billion dollars. So he's out of of Dallas, Texas, but his key principle is asymmetric risk reward. And one of the things that I've been complaining about recently in our business was like I'm tired of paying top dollar for these assets mm-hmm. and like, sure, the sellers walk away ha- fat and happy, but there are so many variables in development, which is why, you know, development can be inherently much riskier than buying a, a cash flowing asset that, you know, it could be, you know, we've experienced labor union strikes for the gas utility, which you know, put us on hold for eight months on a project. Um, you know, we're going through COVID right now. We've got uh, a couple of, we have a building that we're still sitting on a couple of units we're trying to sell. So those have been on the market for, uh, for four, four and a half months. So, you know, and we're slowly kind of just getting our way out of those. So there are just certain whims of the city, zoning changes we've, you know, that have hit us upside the head and changed projects. So what we started to look at was, you know, how and what asymmetric 
risk reward or asymmetric investing generally is, is how can you invest um, the least amount of money, but set it up to have the maximum amount of value uh, or return? So we started looking at that and I was, you know, and we started talking about it as a group and because we've got the experience in development and taking projects through the, you know, the city of Boston zoning process and dealing with the neighborhood groups and, and understanding what the community wants and, and, you know, fighting that gauntlet, which is what it does seem like at times. Um, we started looking at it and saying, Hey, look, like the best position, especially in a changing market for us, we felt like, you know, we should be looking at at underutilized parcels of land within the city of Boston or, or where we can upzone properties and say, you know, for instance, easiest one to say is like, hey, I've got a single, uh, there's a single family sitting on a, an 8,000 square foot lot. But, you know, there are other examples within that neighborhood that have taken similar size lots and put six families on. Mm. So, you know, so something like that where you can approach a seller and, and negotiate either uh, a flat price and, and trade and then take it through the, the city, uh, through the zoning process or say, Mr. and Mrs. Seller, you know, I'll give you a much higher price than the property's worth if you agree to just allow us to take the property through the zoning process contractually. And then once we get what we believe we can get here approved, then at that point, we'll pay you that higher dollar figure. Um, so it's, it's enticing for some, but not for others. Uh, but what we found is that by doing that, you get in at the lowest cost basis possible. And then what you're doing is that you're creating the value by taking it through the ZBA process. And we understand that process. Um, so being able to, being able to really um, um, increase the value of a parcel uh, by going through the ZBA process, it then gives you the opportunity for multiple exit strategies. So we could then sell the plans for that are, that are permitted uh, or or that are ZBA approved, we could we could sell the plans a little bit further down the line. If you look at it on a timeline basis, um, we could do all the engineering for the building and then sell the plans for that. That's a little bit higher of a of a return. Or we could turn around and just build the units and sell them off as condos, uh, or sell the building, excuse me, as a rental. Or we could just build the building and keep it as a rental if the numbers work. So we have all options in front of us. Um, so that asymmetric risk uh, profile or strategy is kind of how we started looking at it, saying, well, even if the market begins to turn sideways on us, and you know, we don't see necessarily Boston if there is a decline. It's not, I don't, we're not forecasting any type of like 10% price decline or deflationary decline uh, in asset prices around here. But if it happens you know, we're still, we're still in a good spot. So we're not going out paying top dollar for a multifamily property to then rip it apart and redo it. So it's, um, to us, it was the right strategy. And that's, you know, and we've shifted and pivoted in this, in this time to, to be able to take advantage of that. So we just started blasting out our direct mail marketing and, you know, believe it or not, it's, it's funny, you know, people, you know, there's plenty of influence and things like that you can do on social, but direct mail marketing works and, still, and yeah. I, it still works. Yeah. I mean, we literally, I, we put out our first mailer of, uh, I think we're putting out about 9,000 pieces over the next six months. And, you know, we have a very targeted list and we got a phone call last week and we, I've met with the seller twice and we put the parcel under agreement yesterday. Yeah. So it's, and that was one of, 
three phone calls I got out, out of the first 750 mailers. Yeah. So it's, it works. It's interesting that um, there's two different types of marketing that um, I, I have yet to define. I need to start defining because, uh, you know, I'm in the space where, you know, investors, we talk about marketing in terms of reaching out to sellers, right? And the majority yeah. of those sellers are of a certain age, you know, let's say baby boomers, for example. And they still react, like you said, to physical direct mail, whereas the, on the investor side is most likely going to be a touch and multiple touches via social media, podcasts, Absolutely. Facebook, Instagram. So yeah, two different uh, avatars and, 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 yep. and client profiles. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, here's, so I have a question for you because it's fascinating and I love how you guys have pivoted. Uh, the the criteria for the land, number one, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to, to hear a little bit more about that. Then also is the play quantity at this point, like just buying land with the hopes of, okay, we have a portfolio of different things and many options once we have the capital? Um, so let me, I'll, let me see if I can address the, the first yeah. thing you had said. Um, as far as two avatars, I think direct mail works with, with sellers, period. You know, I, I think you have to have a presence because you know, you're going you're gonna to point those direct mail pieces to something online because everybody's yeah pretty much online and everyone expects to go to your website and mm -hmm. things like that. But um, with sellers, I think there's a touch of influence from social, but not much because you need to get their attention somehow through a piece uh, and something that's directly targeted at them. Yeah. Uh, whereas I think investors is more about influence. And, and so I think it's, I mean, it's a different type of influence um, because a seller just wants to know that you've got the ability to close. Yeah. Like, can you get to this number? Can can you help my situation and make the best deal for me? Great. Um, and you know, I think building up your credibility online and having influence through social channels is important. But I think with investors, for for the most part, with investors, we're out. You know, it's it's meeting people one on one, yeah. or it's putting out a podcast, or it's um, a, a referral. But you have to have all the social media influence out there to get somebody that has uh you know dollars to to potentially invest with you to be able to say all right these guys look like they know what they're doing i need to know a little bit more where else can i go and get more information before i actually reach out and maybe have a conversation so it's a it's more of a multi-tiered touch approach before somebody really kind of does investing with you so um so i think it's i think it's more of an inf influence marketing versus a direct marketing right. uh type of Love thing that. um the your question about uh, the play, like what's our play? Is it quantity? Um, the the play with the the land val uh, the the land play to us is a, I mean it's always about you know quantity. The quantity is going to be you know will determine how much you know how many dollars eventually come in. You know if you're if you're using average margins and things like that. But um, the quality of a particular deal if you will um is also very important mm. you know we we have you know we've developed certain metrics that you know look we can either get this deal done and and take let's say a margin of 15 percent, like 15 percent profit margin on a on a sale of a deal or something like that is the lowest we're going to take you know that's from a from a, a sales perspective um ideally we want to be at the 20 percent mark i mean period and 
I know there are plenty of people out there, especially when they're just starting and they, they want to do deals at 10%. Mm -hmm. And, and by, when I say 10% for maybe some of your listeners who might not be familiar, if I sell a, if I sell a couple of condos at $2 million, um, gross sales, then I, you know, 10% would be 200,000. So I don't like, for me, that $200,000 margin, it's too thin. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I'm, I see all 200,000, but you know, there's just, there's investors, there's, um, you know, different people to pay and things like that, where that 200,000 and then all your partners, it goes, oh, it gets yeah. shrunk really fast. And, and these projects take a while. So, you know, you want to make sure that you're doing projects that, you know, we, as far as we're concerned, we want to be in that 15 to 20% range. If we can land those, then great. And we've got different metrics to evaluate that and things like that. But that's our, that's kind of our secret sauce or our basic number gotcha. margins that we try to hit. And if we can't make it, then we'll walk. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, everybody's got to have their number and then we walk. Um, so for, for those types of deals, when, when we go out and we, you know, we built this list, uh, my partner Darren built this list and, and went through and uh, extrapolated a lot of different data points um, that weren't necessarily readily available on public record. Uh, but we were able to kind of sidestep it and and kind of get different data points that assembled our list. So for us, I mean, we'll do as much. So because at the end of the day, this on the asymmetric risk reward, we're not going out taking on debt, you know, of a million and uh, one point two million uh, for a parcel, and then we got to take it through. Uh, well, right now we're not, and then take it through an actual uh, a zoning process. Um, we're trying to set ourselves up with uh, properties where we may, you know, the, 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 we may have the seller carry that property and say, look, I'll pay you X over Y, but you have to wait for us to go through that process. Mm-hmm. Um, and once that, you know, if we can have a number of those going, because at the end of the day, it's it's all paperwork at that point, in our view, right? It's all, you know, it's doing engineering, mm-hmm. uh, architectural, and a little bit of civil, working with zoning attorneys. Um, and, and so you build a team and you just, and that, that zoning process is repeatable. It just, it's, mm-hmm. it's the same exact process, no matter where you are in the city. So, you know, you have to understand your zoning characteristics, uh, and then you just apply the team into the process. And so you could have a number of different projects going at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as things, you know, some you might want, and then you get to cherry at the end of the day, you get to cherry pick, which ones maybe you want to sell off, which ones you want to keep and build. Yeah. Uh, it all depends on the situation. So, um, quantity is, is, uh, and quantity is a part of it, but you know, quality of the asset, which ones we end up doing is, is another, because we know that there are other developers like us out there that, might be wrapping up a project, looking to kind of keep their guys going and keep their stuff moving. And look, we're you know pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, right? So it's like <laughs> we'll take a we'll take a smaller margin on a deal yeah. just to make sure there's meat in the bone left for the next guy. Yeah. Uh, but they can jump in and just get going with it while while we continue to find and do the projects that we want. Awesome. I don't know if that answers. Hopefully, yeah. that answers. Oh your yeah, question. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm just curious. So the um, the play usually does it lean more towards. Uh, Mixed use or more commercial or one all residential? Yep. Uh, it's a great question. So it really depends on the parcel mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and its location. So if you're on a main thoroughfare, uh, the city's probably going to want some sort of mixed use. 
uh, the neighborhood, the city, because you're, you've got valuable real estate on corridors and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't built any mixed use. Um, I'd be inherently uh, down, I'm down right now on retail and mm-hmm. building out retail. Uh, so I'm not, I wouldn't be too thrilled to do something on a main corridor right now. Um, if, if mixed use was going to be a component of, uh, of that building, but again, it all, right. As anything, it just, it depends if you're on a main thoroughfare, but you've got, you know, enough space maybe to put a, a triple a credit tenant, like a Starbucks Mm -hmm. or someone like that, that is, is a relatively recession resistant business. Um, and they're looking to expand right now and be a totally different thing, then, then, then yeah, that might be something you work towards. Um, so we're not afraid of that risk. It's just right now we're just, we're evaluating that risk and you know, it's just not where we're at right now. Yeah. Um, a lot of the stuff that we've been looking at is uh, on the parcels that we're looking at are generally where it's technically considered commercial, um, but it's it, because it's you know, anything over five units is considered commercial. So, you know, we've gone from doing singles to two to four unit buildings. And now we're, you know, we're, we've got a couple of six unit projects in process. So, uh, and what we're looking to do is continue to grow that. I mean, if we came across a, I mean, we did have a deal going on up in Lynn, which is just north of the city. It was a, an acre parcel that we had under contract before COVID. Uh, and we were evaluating anything from like a 130 to 185 unit uh, apartment building. And it just, you know, the, the financing just tightened up to the point where nobody was lending on projects and we had to scuttle that deal before COVID. So mm-hmm. we'll, we're looking to expand it more into that commercial build out um, because I want to build more cash flow. And, um, but to us, you know, we want to, build some that we can sell off as condos, but we want to be able to build some and be able to hold them as well. Yeah. We'll also, we'll also look at opportunities to, to buy existing cash flow, but you know, the, those multifamily deals right now are, are incredibly difficult to, you know, build value into. Um, and you know, where you have to build physical value, you have to force appreciation into those by renovating kitchens and bathrooms and things like that. Uh, and that's the risk you're taking on in those deals. Yeah. Um, whereas the risk we're taking on is just on the permitting side uh, and getting them built. And then if we want to take additional risk and then actually build it, you now that's a that's a whole nother model. So gotcha. we're pretty much taking our model, uh, and that model is to bring it through ZBA, and then we'll from that point we'll figure out if we want to go through the build and cash flow model, build and and sell model, or just sell the plans model. Yeah. So love it. Um, yeah, that's just kind of it's it. good, man. You know, yeah. it's it's protection. You know, when when people jump in with you and they partner and they um, you know, participate in your deals, I I as an investor love hearing all the multiple exits. I love hearing all the options, yeah. um, so that you know we're all sort of you know protected and <laughs> and and you know set up for success. So it's great. Absolutely. I mean, in, in real estate, I mean, as an, as an operator, I mean, I've been talking a lot about just being an operator as an, as an investor. Um, but you know, being an operator in real estate, you know, allows us right to be able to understand when you get to the point where you can invest into other, uh, projects passively, you know, and if you start getting into, you know, uh, you start talking more fine on the financial freedom side where you're saying, Hey, I've got a solo 401k. I, I want to invest passively into something I really, really know. Do I know the stock market as well as I know real estate? Nope. 
uh, absolutely not. So, but being able to have those experiences and know, okay, I know how to underwrite. I know how to look at this deal. I know all the you know, the questions to ask. It lends itself to being a better investor as well from from a cash flow side. So, um, you get to participate and and understand. And that's the other beauty of it is that you know, as the operator. You get to when you're raising capital, you actually get to understand how other investors look at things because it's mm. not just there's not just one viewpoint on things, but you understand the entire picture. Yeah. You understand the risk questions and the capital questions and return questions. So, and that's super important to know as an operator. Um, but it also has helped me understand, uh, you know, as far as investing. And, and mitigating risk and evaluating risk, like all of those things, it just makes you a better operator, period. Love it. So, Love it. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of two hats in one. So um, I don't, I mean, I generally don't spend a lot of time on the, out in the field anymore mm-hmm. on site. I used to. Uh, but as we've kind of grown a little bit more, I kind of handle more with the investors and uh, marketing and you know at you know trying to find and, and evaluate different opportunities and things like that. So that's generally where, where I spend most of my time now. Awesome, it's great, brother. And it's 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 a living, I guess. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> well, hey, it's it's control, man. You've got you've got control over your future and your legacy, and you know uh, you know being able to pivot as a business owner, especially now, uh, is critical. And and you know you guys are doing it. So I'm so I'm so glad that we were able to talk about it and and, and hopefully shed some light on on opportunities for people who are listening so how can people reach out to you brother best way to get me is uh you can go through the website it's cap ww obviously it's kind of www uh cap cap as in peter equity partners.com um you can check out our site there uh there we have a investor prospectus there my cell phone number and oh my email is there but awesome. i give my email anyways uh it's a and my last name s as uh so s is in sam c is in charlie h is in henry e is an elephant n is in nancy a is an apple always have to do that because shenna yeah it's, it's america <laughs> um so a shenna at cap equity partners Awesome. And we'll put all that in the show notes for you folks. So sure, man. you won't be mistaken when you're typing it in. But yeah, absolute pleasure having you on, brother. Also, folks, Dude, be on the lookout absolutely. for Capital Giants podcast coming to you. Cashflow cash Giants. Flow. Cash what flow did I giants. say? Yeah, Capital. Cashflow cash giants. giants. I like Cashflow because you can start <laughs> tapping into all the other Cashflow podcast names or even Cashflow Ninja, our friend MC. Oh, yeah. Um, MC. Who's, yeah, yeah. So it's good stuff, man. Good. Yeah. Good luck with all that. And thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. You know, we're going to be able to hopefully help and leverage and you know share some ideas i hope so always a pleasure brother dude it's always a pleasure man thank you that's it for now folks if you'd like to stay in touch with the show you can contact me directly at eric at onairbrands.com that's eric e-r-i-k at onairbrands.com and if you aren't already subscribed to the show you can find us on itunes spotify or any other podcast platform and please recommend us to one or two people in your circle that will go a long long way to growing our community also if you could rate us on itunes just take a moment uh, to give us five stars and if they have more stars give all of them we'd greatly appreciate you for that and always always like subscribe 
and share, share, share this show on social media. We'd love you for that as well. And if you have any ideas or want to hear something on a future show, please hit us up. Maybe you have a question for one of my guests or you want to uh, tell a story, a success story. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can do that, especially if you're on the Anchor platform. You can leave us a voice message. We'd love to incorporate you and your voice on a future episode. Once again, folks, thanks again for listening to the Entrepreneur Circle. Please like, subscribe, and share, share, share. I am Eric Cabral, and as always, remember, your network is your net worth. So get in the circle. Mm-hmm.